Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to, no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything, from T-shirts and jeans to sweatshirts and jackets, and of course, their legendary best hoodie ever. So you can fill your wardrobe with the pieces that will get you through your spring days. Like the lightweight joggers and pullovers in the French Terry collection, or the rich and polished premium slub crew tee. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, American Giant makes something that's sure to be your next closet go-to. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Find a closet staple for every part of your day at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code staple two zero. Goodnicks is an audio project exploring the journey and meaning of doing good in the world for people who do good or are just thinking about it. Goodnicks spotlights 10 people. We dig into who and what inspired them, what keeps them up at night, their sacrifices, their rewards, their failures, and what it means for their relationships. Hear about how Max founded a New Orleans center that is redefining recycling. Hear about Deborah, a social worker and psychotherapist who works with indigenous families in Los Angeles at the Department of Mental Health. Or hear about David, the founder of Together We Remember, a nonprofit dedicated to empowering the next generation of leaders to say never again to genocide. And we ask the question, what does it really mean to do good over the course of a life, or a moment, or a season? Goodnix is available wherever you get your podcasts. Follow and subscribe now so you don't miss it. Visit goodnix.org to learn more about the Goodnix. Welcome to Metaphysical Milkshake, the show where we go deep, we get weird, and we search for the meaning of life along the way. Presented by Cast Media and Soul Pancake. Welcome to Metaphysical Milkshake. I am your host, Reza Aslan. And I am the better host, Rain Wilson. You are the better host. And, you know, you're a better friend, too, Rain, than I am, I would have to say. Are you not a good friend to people? I am a good friend... To the, like, three people that I would legitimately call my friend. I don't have a lot of friends. I went to your 50th birthday party. Sorry to date you. (laughs) And uh, you had, like, 37. Your wife had a surprise dinner, and, like, 37 people were there. I don't think my wife could pull together 37 people for a surprise (laughs) dinner. That was pretty good. Well, you know, that's a good point. And, in fact, the weekend before that, she had gotten, like, all my high school friends together, too. But, like... And it was beautiful seeing them, and I and I would definitely, you know, call all of them my friends. But how how many of them would I call like a close friend? How many of them would I call a best friend? That's that's a tougher question. You're an immigrant kid growing up in the United States. Was it difficult to make friends? Was, did you keep friends? Seems like you you became social pretty quick. You were in church groups and you had a rock band. You have a lot of good friends from your high school days. I do, but I think maybe my definition of best friend is a little bit different than other people's. Like I basically have one best friend, 
you know, and 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 the way that I would think about a best friend is that somebody that I am as close to now that as I was, you know, when we first met. Like I met my best friend uh, when I was sixteen and he was seventeen in high school, and mm-hmm. you know that for coming up on you know whatever almost thirty five years or something like that. Yeah, here we are, you know, still as close as ever. Um, and then I have another sort of, I would say like a secondary best friend that I met at grad school, but that's kind of about it. See, this is the thing, Rain. I don't know if you're like me, but like, I don't have time you got to so make kids. new friends. Yeah. I have shit to do. I have yeah. literally shit to clean up. You have, you have literal shit and you've got like 18 kind of shows you're developing or shooting or hosting at, at any given time. You're a workaholic. You're a parentaholic. Who's got time for friendships? Who has time? By the way, this isn't just me. It's uh, it's interesting because I grew up. I had this best best friend named John, um, starting from like fourth or fifth grade through high school, and even at a college, we both went to NYU together. He went into film school. I was in the acting school, and many many years thereafter, in our twenties, and then he got married, started having a couple kids, moved out to Long Island. I moved to Los Angeles. And it just became too hard, you know? It just, mm-hmm. um, we fell out of touch, you know? It's uh, uh, unreturned phone calls and just not hearing. And, you know, men can often be super bad at communicating and, like, sharing and whatnot. And and it's too bad because we were really, really uh, close. And your interests start to shift a little bit Very, you know yeah, uh-huh. uh i mean you're you you went all hollywood so you probably don't even have time totally for your, sold out you yeah. know it's yeah. like well i would I, I got i'm hanging out with tom cruise and i'm on a plane with leo dicaprio so i i can't have friends and then like with in my case like my wife became my best friend and so Which happens to a lot of guys i yeah. threw all of my time and effort into hers look the point is is that this isn't just an issue that you and I are dealing with. There was a poll that came out in 2021. 49% of all Americans said that they have three or fewer friends. And I would put that, I would put that, if if it's close friends, close friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three or fewer close friends, I would yeah. definitely put myself in that category. In that category. And yeah. fewer Americans today have a best friend than in 1990. 75% in 1990. 59% now. So we're losing best friends as well. We've talked before, we've had episodes about the epidemic of loneliness, but friendship, the building, the sustaining of friendships, the connection that friendships give us, the difficulty in initiating and maintaining friendships seems to be on the decline along with everything else in this godforsaken world. And there are some serious health consequences to that as well, yeah. not just mm-hmm. mental health consequences, loneliness, obviously, but uh, even physical health, like your actual, uh, you know, health is improved by having, uh, you know, a lot of friends. But here's the problem. All the surveys about friendship, pretty much all the same, say the same thing, that basically, you know, the average age the average age that you meet your best friend is 21 years old. And by the time you hit your 30s, forget about it. Like the 30s, that's the decade where friendship goes to die. 
Now, that, now we're usually starting to have kids in our 30s. That's right. These That's days. Right. People used to have them in their 20s, but now more <laughs> in the 30s, even 40s. So that brings us uh, to, I think, a very important question. It's a metaphysical question, but it's a it's a health question. It's a mental health question. Should we have kids? <laughs> That's not what I was going to say, but I see how you, Where are you, how headed? you got there. Where are you headed with this? How do grownups make friends? Yeah. I mean, I'm asking for a friend. How do grownups make friends? I I don't know. Um, I'm not very good at it. But you know what? I know a couple of gals that might have some insights. They wrote a book about it. They met, apparently, on the the set of a TV show. Oh, I love TV. They've become super good, super good friends. There was a show called Friends. So please welcome to the show Courtney Cox and <laughs> no. Jennifer Love Hewitt no. from the show no. Friends. No, no, no. Friends. Nice try. No, close, close. Instead, it's Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey from this little known show called The Office, which apparently, I guess, was on TV and people, people loved it. You know Jenna. She played Pam on the show. You know... Angela, because she played Angela on the show. By the way, not a lot of creativity in naming the characters. That shows you how lame the show is. That, they couldn't even name the characters. Show, but they these two gals they met on the set and they instantly became best friends and they have now uh, documented that friendship in an awesome new book called The Office BFFs: Tales of the Office from two best friends who were there. Notably, uh, you are quite absent from this book, but we'll we'll discuss that <laughs> a little bit later. A uh, couple of things to know about Jenna and Angela. Uh, they are both uh, well-regarded actresses, obviously. Um, they also have a fantastic podcast uh, called The Office Ladies Podcast, which I guess they just talk about Office episodes and you know, tens of thousands of people listen. I mean, tens of I, thousands, I, like tens of millions of people listen. I, 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 I honestly feel like we may have screwed up in our podcast idea, Rain. Yeah. You know, this, we're not really taking advantage of your celebrity uh, in this podcast. We should watch every episode. We should watch an episode of Cheers and comment on it. <laughs> this is exactly. But. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Got some great advice for us. Some fantastic advice about how to how to make uh, friends. And uh, apparently, you know, you even know them, kind of. They are lovely, powerful, brilliant women. 
Let's get the show started. I'm going to bring Angela actually into the studio with me today, Reza. She's here, apparently Ooh. just finished parking. And uh, we'll bring Jenna on the Zoom and we'll get this thing going. OMG, <laughs> Angela. Angela's here. Later, 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 This is how Rain greets me. If you guys ever <laughs> wonder, <laughs> we're in the same room together. Angela's in the room. Strangely, that's how he begins all our podcasts. And Jenna's here. Hi, Jenna. Hi. Oh my God. Wait, where's my song? Where's my song? I get nothing. I just get here's Jenna. Angela got a whole doop 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 do. What do I get? I can sing for you if you want, Jenna. I can sing a song. Reza, will you sing me a song, please? Jenna needs a theme song. Hello, Jenna. I said, hello, Jenna. It's so nice to have you on the pod today. He she, wait, Jenna gets Hello Dolly rendition, and I get like, <laughs> like backwards, <laughs> backwards, scary time. None, none of this is gonna make the cut. People. Oh, please, this is, this is all gold. In. This is all in, folks, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the launch of this most incredible, uh, historical epic of the Office BFFs, uh, Jenna Fisher and Ansela Kinsley, to whatever Kinsey. your name is, yeah, no Tales L. of the Office. From two best friends who were there based on their podcast. Incredible, filled with so many. There are so many photos of me in here. There are more photos of me in here than my than I ever had as a child growing up in my family photo albums. Rain, I took a lot of pictures of you. I love this book. I, I, it was it was such a wonderful read, but it was also such a surprise to me because like I've known Rain for what like a decade. I had no idea that he was on this show. I love this show. <laughs> yeah, it's good, right? You were in the office? Yeah, yeah. He played yeah. Dwight. Reza. It was a recurring character. Oh, I, had a, I had a few arcs. Right, mm -hmm. right, yeah. right, right, but, um, right. But we were so thrilled to to bring you. I get to be in the same room with you. I know. Angela Crinzi. And, uh, <laughs> and we get to uh, talk about. Friendship. So, you know, we do a podcast on life's big questions, but and the, and there's a central one here, which is about the friendship and nature of friendship. But take us back to the very, very beginning, because in reading this book, I didn't really realize it like it started in the pilot with your little little blonde popping Jay head popping up over the divider. <laughs> take us back 17 years ago. I'm very shy in new situations, and I was very nervous. The office pilot was like one of my first big jobs. It was my first lead role. And so I was keeping to myself and I was over there at reception. I didn't have a desk mate. Everybody else had a desk mate. Mm -hmm. But Angela was closest to me. She was right over that little partition and she would just pop her little head up and just start talking to me. She was so friendly and outgoing, the total opposite of her character. She was like, hi, Jen. I'm Angela. Hi. Well, I heard her sneeze. And if I mean, her sneeze, yeah. it does, it sounds I like remember. a little, like, woodland creature. She's like, gee, 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 gee. <laughs> and I had tissue on my desk, and I thought, this poor girl is having an episode of, like, sneezing allergy thing. 
So I poked my head over and I was like, would you like a Kleenex? Do you guys remember when, like, for one of our rap parties, the editors did a whole reel of just me sneezing yes. and ruining takes because I sneezed so often? Yes. I will never forget that sound. I will never. Right? Ever it stays with you. That sound. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was about 18 times a week. Yeah. It sounds like that because I'm suppressing it because I was trying not to ruin takes. But every once in a while, a little sound would still come out. A little sound? It's like, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then like sometimes that. your body just couldn't take it anymore. And it was like, I am going to sneeze. Public Goods is the one-stop shop for sustainable, high-quality, everyday essentials made from clean ingredients at an affordable price. Everything from personal care and household products to coffee, toilet paper, shampoo, pet food, and more. Public Goods is your new everything store thoughtfully designed for the conscious consumer. So rather than buying from a bunch of single product brands, Public Goods members can buy all of their premium essentials in one place with one beautiful streamlined aesthetic. Public Goods searches the globe to find clean, healthy, eco-friendly, and innovative products. They ethically source and obsessively develop each of their products to be free of unhealthy ingredients and harmful additives still common on drug and grocery store shelves. They are committed to making their products healthy and safe for humans, animals, and the environment. They use a membership model to keep costs low and pass on even more savings to their customers. Best of all, you can make your first purchase with no obligation. Join hundreds of thousands of others who have switched to their new everything store. So we have worked out an awesome deal. Receive $15 off of your first public goods order with no minimum purchase. That's right. They are so confident that you're going to love their products and you're going to come back again and again and again. They're giving you $15 to spend on your first purchase. Look, you got nothing to lose. All you got to do is go to publicgoods.com slash milkshake, or you can use the code milkshake at checkout. That is P-U-B-L-I-C-G-O-O-D-S, publicgoods.com forward slash milkshake, and you receive 15 bucks off your first order. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What made you both know, and Jenna, especially for you, because Angela would be friends with anything that walks and talks. <laughs> but for you. I like people, you guys. I really do. I get what? really excited to meet new people. I mean, I met Travis and Olivia today already. I know. Anyway, I'm That's excited. That's right. I, had, I didn't even know who they were. I didn't, I'd forgotten <laughs> their names. I've done 37 episodes with them. But how did you How did you make that transition, Jenna? I'm like, I'm going to be friends with this girl. This is going to go beyond just 
visiting on the set. We're going to hang out. We're going to talk on the phone. We're going to chitty chat till 3 a.m. and talk about boys. Well, it didn't happen on the pilot. It did not happen on the pilot. We did not even exchange phone numbers after the pilot, and there was no social media, so it wasn't like I could follow her or, like, DM her. None of us. Rain, I didn't get your phone number after the pilot. We just sort of all— Yeah. We just all said goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. So luckily, our show got picked up, and it was actually during the basketball episode, Angela and I were placed on the bench together— and we were in the background of all of those basketball scenes, all of those basketball rehearsals that you guys were doing, yeah. all those setups. We just sat on that bench. And in those couple of days, we told one another our life stories. We we started out with just like, where are you from? But we ended on like your hopes and dreams and what's not working in your life. And what do you wish for yourself for the future? Like, I mean, we went all the way sitting on that bench, telling each other everything. And that is when I can point to saying, okay, this person's going to be my friend, but also I think this person is my best friend. I think this is like my, this is my friend soulmate. We also share a real level of dorkiness that makes me happy. I mean, at the end of that warehouse scene, we were walking through the parking lot. It was late at night and we locked arms. We didn't discuss this. We just locked arms and we looked at each other and immediately started doing Laverne and Shirley. Shlemiel, Shlemiel, Shlemiel. And I was, I was going to Anyway, and we just started laughing and I just thought, well, this is someone that feels like home to me. Well, see, this is really fascinating because um, one of the things that that we had talked about was that I'm sorry, why are you here? <gasps> yeah, I, Rain. I'm sorry. I'm the I'm the podcast host here. I actually, We're reminiscing about the office. <laughs> yeah, you guys just talk about old times, and I will actually do what we are here to do, which is ask questions. Thank you, you know, oh, about okay. the right. about the topic. Track, um, you know, we were talking earlier about the fact that. Uh, Age 25, apparently, like age 25 is when people have the maximum amount of friends and then it's all downhill from there. And and it's uh, I, I think most people would agree with this, that it's in your 30s that it becomes very unlikely that you make a new friend, um, especially a best friend like that doesn't really happen later in life. So I'm curious, like. Was it just the fact that you guys were thrown together for so many hours where you had very little choice but to just become close to each other that allowed you to get over that that hump that so many people have about, you know, getting having new friends later in life? What do you think, Angela? I mean, it's true. We met in our 30s and we weren't looking for a best friend, you know, like we I wasn't. Yeah. But I also I had my least number of friends in my mid 20s. I was new to Los Angeles. I hadn't really done a good job of keeping in touch with any of my college friends that I left behind. I had a hard time making new friends in Los Angeles in the city that I didn't know. I mean, that was like my loneliest stretch when it came to friendship. So maybe one of the things that opened me up to having a friend in Angela was that I was, you know, I was a little lacking in the whole friendship department. At that point in my life, I was definitely craving that friendship connection. For me, in my 20s, I mean, I was having a parties where I made shirts and, um, you know, themes and 
I, I love a party, guys. I was a party planner in my heart, in my heart of hearts. Um, and so I think I was in a huge so I don't group. understand making shirts. You're like in a sweatshop? No. Like at my party, you would walk in and your party favor would be a shirt I made, a t-shirt. And I'd order like 200 of them. You'd and make everyone, shirts for everyone who's everybody going to party? Who, yes. I, come on. Oh, dear Come Lord. to my party. Get your t-shirt. Yeah. Or maybe a koozie. Right? I don't know what that is. A koozie is the thing you put your beer in and it's got your logo it on it. It keeps your beer cold. Even I know okay. that. All yeah. Right. All right. Cheers to your 25th birthday party. <laughs> Picture of Angela going, boop, 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 boop. So you're like a professional friend then, basically. I was, I just was very social. And I think for me with Jenna, I, I don't know. I just, it was so comforting. She felt like someone who was going to be there no matter what. When the t-shirts ran out, rain. Yeah. When there weren't any more koozies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she just felt just tried and true. And she is like that. She's incredibly loyal and she's there for you. She takes you wherever you're at. And I really appreciated that. Mm -hmm. And I picked up on it pretty quickly. And I thought, well, this person's going to love me no matter what. And it's been the greatest gift, like having this friendship. I've gotten a lot of t-shirts out of it too. Yeah. I do want to say Angela yeah. has made me several t-shirts. She made me a t-shirt with a piece of bread on it. Mm -hmm. She made me... Um, <laughs> I made you a, a wine label with our picture on it. Mm -hmm. I made you a scrapbook for your birthday with all these different pictures of us being silly. Yes, it's mm -hmm. true. You guys, that's so that's so that's so perfect. So, what makes a good friendship? I mean, this obviously this one came easily to you. Some friendships don't come quite as easily. Maybe require a little bit of. I won't say work. It's not quite the right word, but um, I think focus and attention. But I do think good friendships. Or you work at, you know, it's like any other relationship that's worth anything. You that, check in. Yeah. What does that look like? What does working at a friendship look like? Jenna and I talk every single day. Okay, that's crazy. Every single day. Now, we don't always, we're not always able to be on the phone with one another because of kids and life and work. And But we leave each other a voice memo every day. We've done it for how, what, Jenna, 18 years now? Yeah, at least 10 years. I and wanna, it's, and I want to like, get in on this with you guys. It's like just checking in and you can listen to it whenever. Like sometimes we put a little message like, you got to listen to this one before Friday, okay? And then the other ones would be like, listen whenever you're like doing chores or you're traveling and bored. And we just share. I always know what Jenna's up to. There was a time when she was filming in London and I had gotten a job in Israel and we were trading these voice memos at different times of the day and night. And I, I, it was so comforting. Every time I got to hear her voice, it was a, like this safe place where everything felt familiar. Well, it seems like you guys are able to share like recipes and funny stories about cats, but you're also really able to share like yeah. when you're heartbroken and feeling down and, and mm -hmm. at your most vulnerable. Is that is that true, Jenna? That's definitely true. You know, on the subject of friendship, I do think that there are different friends for different seasons of your life. And I think that time in your 20s that Angela was talking about, that's like, for a lot of people, that's a really like, that is your social season. You know, mm -hmm. that's when you have room for lots of acquaintances and good times and a lot of socializing outside the home. But then like maybe when your career is taking off or you have children, like that's a different season of your life. And sometimes those friends don't always travel with you. And by the way, I think that's okay. 
you know? What I feel lucky about with Angela is that our friendship has traveled through these seasons, although our biggest bump in our friendship was when Angela became a mother before I did, when she was a parent and I wasn't a parent, because mm-hmm. I was still a little bit in that uh, sexy social season of my life. And um, I called it Jenna's sexy <laughs> life. Like, I, I had a newborn, and Jenna would text me at 9 o'clock, want to grab dinner. And I'm like, 9 o'clock? I'm in bed. Yeah. <laughs> Are you crazy? Yeah. <laughs> or I remember one time, Rain, you said to me, I was like, you had a later call time, and I was like... Um, how was your morning? And you're like, oh man, I took the best nap. And I said, in the morning? Because I hadn't had kids yet. And you're like, yeah, I had a morning nap. You'd been up, you know, yeah, with your yeah, son. Sure. Yeah. And and I you you kind of remember little conversations like that as soon as you become a parent. And Jenna was very much in her sexy life. We talk about it in the book, but we we were very disconnected and we had to work at finding common ground again. Angela made sure that I got married and that then I had some yeah. children so that we could still be yeah. friends, mm-hmm. basically. But this is an important point because I think it partly explains why we were talking about how 30s is like, you know, the the decade where your friendships die, right? They, where, they go, <laughs> where they go away. Uh, because it does take a lot of time in order to make close friends. And we obviously have stats for this because we have stats for everything. So uh, apparently a casual friend... Uh, can take about 50 hours to develop. So it takes 50 hours to develop a casual friendship. A very close friendship uh, takes an average of 200 hours. Now, you may think to yourself, well, 200 hours, that's not that long, except that the average American spends approximately 40 minutes a day socializing. So think about like what that means, like the, the time and effort that it takes to actually make a close friend, not when you're in your teens, when you got nothing else going on except your <laughs> except socialism, or even in your 20s, really, when you're still trying to figure shit out. But in your 30s, when it's like it's time to have a career and maybe start a family, the idea that I would reserve 200 hours to just develop a new close friendship from the ground up is it's absurd. There's no way I'm going to ever do that. Reza, you've only put about 17 hours into our friendship. <laughs> and I got to be honest, that's kind of my cap. That's my ceiling. That's, that's like yeah. 17 hours. But I but I do wonder if there's a gender issue here as well. You know, do do women naturally, do you think, make deeper friendships better than men? Because I will say that um, as a... Uh, as a man, I, I, I've had a hard time. I've been in LA for 20 years, 21 years. And it's been hard for me here in 21 years. I'm in my mid fifties to make friendships here. Most of my better friends are from New York from before when I came to Los Angeles. And I, I know there's been a couple of times when I've reached out to dudes. I'm like, Oh, maybe this person can be kind of a better friend than someone I have lunch with every six months or play tennis with, you know, once or twice a year. And I've reached out and like said, hey, what are you doing? Or, you know, called on the phone or said, hey, do you want to go hang out or something like that? And it's sometimes it's reciprocated, but sometimes it's really not. And I don't think it's like, oh, they don't like me. I'm not, It's not a boohoo thing, but it's kind of uh, I just it's not it's it's not uh, natural for men to say, oh, I'm having a connection with another adult male here. Let me foster this, encourage it, nurture it, and leave voicemails, you know, and voice memos every single day, checking in on my feelings and on funny stories that happened to me when I stepped into dog poo or 
accidentally blew my nose <laughs> when I didn't mean to or whatever you guys leave on your messages. Uh, but I but I wonder if there's if there's a difference, because I, I do know that, you know, in some of the statistics we were looking over that uh, for so many men, they just they don't have friends. They might have a office high five buddy or a drinking buddy or a but but like a close friend and the wife becomes the one close friend of of the uh, of the fella. Yeah. My wife is constantly telling me, like, shouldn't you call one of your friends and go hang out with them? And I was like, no, I want to hang out with you. <laughs> <laughs> that is my husband. I'll be like, babe, why, why, you should do one of those golfing trips, right? Like, our, what, do a, a guy trip. And he's like, I, I don't know. I just kind of like to hang out with you if I get yeah. any free time. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, it is interesting. I, and I know he has really good friends from growing up in college, but I am definitely his confidant and who he turns to, to, to share with. You know, I would have a question for Rain and Reza, which is just, do you feel like there's something missing for you? I mean, not having this intimate friendship, best friend person outside of your marriage, do you feel like you're longing for something? I, if you had asked me that question, like, theoretically and in a vacuum, I would say absolutely, absolutely. There's something missing for me. Um, I shared this at the opening that we I have a best friend who lives in another state. We've been friends since we were, you know, 16 years old. Uh, but my wife Jessica is my best friend, and and his 17 kids, and my 17 kids. Uh, and she pretty much fulfills all of my emotional needs. I and that might be weird <laughs> to say, but it's true. Like I'd rather hang out with my wife than pretty much anyone else. Um so whether that's healthy or not, I, I'm totally willing to admit that it may not be healthy, <laughs> that I probably should have other people that I hang out with, not in a work environment like this. Uh but I just don't. I really don't. It's basically my wife is my best friend. And for me I'm really lucky because I have a uh... I have a 12-step recovery community and I have uh, my faith community is Baha'i and there's people from both those communities that I'm not necessarily like buddy-buddy, like movies, high-five roller coasters kind of friends, but but I can call anytime, talk about deep thoughts, concepts, you know, issues, ups and downs. And so that kind of fulfills that for me. But if I didn't have that in my life, like I think I really would feel like there's something missing. And I, I, I bet you a lot of guys are a lot more lonely than they let on to. Oh yeah. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Thanks so much, you guys. It's a great it's book. A, it's and, a lot um, to think about. <laughs> pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh yeah. That's me. Nothing extra. Just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. 
LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Yeah. Well, look, but, okay, so, but bringing it to the book, this is what, what I think is really fascinating about this conversation because, again, as adults, we've already talked about how hard it is to make friends and how long it takes and how much effort goes into it. And in any case, we have families and we have wives and we have husbands and they serve so many of those roles. And so basically, the only other avenue that most of us adults have to make the kind of you know meaningful, lasting, close, intimate friendships is work. And so that's exactly what happened to you guys, right? Is that you were at work and you had to spend all these hours together. And that gave you the opportunity to log those 200 hours that it takes to, to become close. So I guess that's, that's sort of the next question that I have for you is that are there certain environments, for instance, like work, that can facilitate friendships um, that without those environments, it just, I mean, like, where would I make new friends? I don't know. I mean, how, honestly, like, where am I going to go that I'm going to make a new friend, let alone a new best friend? Well, I know for me, once my kids started school, those school communities, I I have made some really good, close friends in the other parents. And um, that especially after going through a pandemic together, we have a particularly tight bond because we had this common interest of our children's education and their mental health and all of that. And so, I mean, I was I was definitely having some more intimate conversations more quickly with some of these parents than maybe we would have otherwise. But I think that there are other circumstances that kind of throw you into I don't know, making those kinds of connections with people. And I have to say, they have lasted. Like, um, and and like, I, I really appreciate that. So mm-hmm. maybe that. And then I think, you know, what Rain was talking about, your faith environment. Um, maybe if you have a recovery environment. But it does kind of like, I guess what I'm hearing is maybe it takes an environment. Yeah. Like you need a work or a church or something, right? It's a little bit of a friendship, what's nature and nurture, because I think Jenna and I really are similar in the fact that we like to to share with one another our day, and it's something we enjoy doing. I love to hear about her day. It makes me happy. The minutia. The minutia. All of it. I love to hear about it. She organized her closet today, you guys. She can't stop tidying. Do you you go by color? That's the new thing, (laughs) organized closets by color. By color. But I do think there's a chemistry element to it, just like any other relationship. I don't know that I want to hear anyone else tell me about cleaning their closet, but I enjoy <laughs> Jenna telling me about her closet. Can I tell you about my day and the minutiae of my day? I actually can't wait. I want to hear how Derek is doing. It started with a poop. Oh, okay. well, you so don't... The consistency are you regular? Was... Are you, you don't have to tell me what it's like, but um... are you... Is your How's your constitution? Do you go every day? I, yeah, I'm I'm good. I'm healthy. Okay, yeah. we're good. That's yeah, good. we got a lot of we have a lot of uh, ad sponsors about that help us with our poop for some reason. Yes, I love right. listening to podcast ads. Now that we do podcast ads, yeah. I find it fascinating. I love to hear everybody <laughs> do their ads. 
Um, but the other thing I was going to say is that I feel like finding friends is also, it's, I almost, as we we're talking about, it, I was like, is there a friendship dating app, <laughs> like a friendship app? Because Friendster, uh, Friendster. it went under. Was it was it really one? <laughs> no. Oh, <laughs> but Friendster, yeah, friends. You don't remember Friendster? Friendster was, was, it was right before MySpace. Yeah. Oh yeah, but yeah, I mean, I have played tennis with the same group of gals for like ten years now, and we see each other every week, and it's a totally different world than Jenna and I's world, and I I love it too. I don't call them every day, but we see each other once a week, and I know how their families are doing, and we play tennis, and then we say goodbye. So I, I feel like there's all these different ways where people can come into your life if you're open to it. Well, um, making friends as an adult, John Cacioppo, social neuroscientist at the University of Chicago, found that while loneliness and isolation build on themselves, so do friendships and community. So in other words, as you meet people, as you connect with people, whether, you know, Jenna, like at school or at the tennis court or, you know, in recovery or in your church or a religious group, as you meet and connect with more and more people, your social skills grow. They introduce you to other people. You expand your social skills and confidence. And uh, so it, it feeds on itself. So I would say maybe one piece of advice for the listener out there is like, you've just got to start, right? So you just kind of start, I don't know, asking someone out for a coffee or something like that, because it will snowball. I know this sounds so rudimentary, but I think it's important. And I was going to ask you guys, do you have any other tips or advice for people wanting to start uh, friendships? Yes. Top five friendship tips from Jenna and Angela. From the oh office. Oh my God. I mean, listen, I'm only an expert in my friendship with Angela. I am not <laughs> a certified friendship expert. I just want to say all of these are just these are just my spitball ideas that I'm throwing at you. We on do love a list. A though. moment's notice. We do love a list. Um, I would say if there's anything you're passionate about, volunteering, an organization, get involved in something you're passionate about because you'll meet like-minded people. Smart. Very smart. There's one for me, Jenna. You right. go. Jenna, you go. <laughs> Friendship expert, Jenna Fisher. Okay, well, I have a lot of social anxiety, actually, and something that always brings me comfort is when someone told me that no one's ever thinking about what you're doing. They're just thinking about the own, their own thoughts in their heads. So go ahead and jump in because you don't have anything to be afraid of. And I think, like, I think of that a lot because I think, well, if I just be the first person who starts talking, that's okay. I don't have to be scared of that. I'll just say something friendly right off the bat, and then maybe that'll start a conversation. Like, even though, by the way, that's like, my advice is like a fake it till you make it piece of advice. That's great. Because I, that's great I guess advice. I'm saying like, I'm not naturally outgoing or right. like naturally confident in a social friendship situation, but I'll just be like, well, it could be me. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'll just do it. It's like kind of like when you're sad and you just kind of make yourself kind of smile and you actually, that can turn your mood from a dark mood to a happy mood. There's yeah. something about the using those muscles. The muscle memory? Yeah. Okay, back to me. Um, get outside. Get some vitamin D. Get outside. Walk around. You'll probably terrible. walk into someone and say hi. That's the worst <laughs> advice I've what ever heard. you have? That is terrible. You could have said make yourself says smile. hi to a stranger on the street. <laughs> Wait, can I say something off of Angela's piece of advice? A few weeks ago... I went on a walk around my neighborhood and I had put on my prescription sunglasses and taken my prescription eyeglasses off and tucked them into the collar of my sweatshirt. When I got home from my walk, 
I went to put my regular eyeglasses back on and they had fallen somewhere in my walk. Dear God. Just fallen off, right? This is, this is probably what one of your messages to oh, Angela 100%. sounds like. I already okay, know the story. Just a I already know the story. Peek. Okay. Continue. So I had to go out and retrace my steps. And along the way, I stopped anybody that I saw and I asked them if they had seen a pair of eyeglasses. And I explained what happened. The conversations I had that day with my neighbors and people walking down the street were an utter delight, such a delight that I thought I should go home and write a short film about this mm -hmm. because this me being a person who lost her eyeglasses has mm -hmm. turned into like seven beautiful moments of connection with other human beings. Thank you, Jenna. Thank you. You're welcome, Angela. This is the same experience I had when I met George because he was cleaning his RV that he parked next to his house. And I found out all about him and his wife, Bobby. She danced. She was a professional dancer, like a studio. Like, remember when you were a studio gal? Fascinating. Love them. And every once in a while, they have lunch in their RV. And I walk by and say hi. That's great. George Rain? and Bobby, uh -huh. lunch You're, in the RV. You have to pivot now, Rain. That's good. You have to pivot. No, it's up to you, Reza. Can you salvage this conversation? Salvage. I, are you kidding? I'm I'm taking notes here. Like, uh, say <laughs> say hi to people. This is get outside. <laughs> Go outside. Start conversations. <laughs> this yeah. is good stuff. Uh -huh. Write your short film, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yes, make a short film. I will uh, tell else? you a lesson about friendship. Right. Oh, let's hear it. I recently joined a little tennis club in my new town where I moved oh. outside of Los Angeles. Do you ever need us? Sassy yeah. blonde. I need partner? a sassy four foot six tennis partner. Five, one and a half. Um, but I, there, I was a little nervous because I was, I'm not, I'm mediocre at tennis, and I was just starting out. And these guys had been playing for ten years and stuff like that. And there was this guy named Walter, which is also my son's name, and he was just very like he was relatively new himself. He was just very positive, and he just was like, "Come on to a new game, like." Hey guys, I'm Walter, and someone would have a nice serve. He'd go, "Hey, great serve!" And he'd learn their name and say, "Great serve!" And we were like, "Oh, it's a beautiful night for tennis." And he's just like <laughs> lobbing these like positivity grenades out. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, I really appreciate. I want to be like Walter more because Aww. you know I can be such a such a grump. You come on. And um, I do want to tell that story about on the set of the office. My my favorite stories. Um. But I, I learned something from Walter at tennis about like just someone who who come and and I thought this about my father too as I my father passed away about a year and a half two years ago and as I was in kind of doing some memorials for him and thinking about his life and did a little writing about him I realized like my dad always made a room a better place when he went into it he just always added something positive a compliment a joke something uplifting. He never kind of came in and just went and sucked the energy out. He was just lobbing kind mm -hmm. of positive grenades like the like Walter, the tennis player. This is a little different from me when every morning I would come in the office at about 6, you know, 27 a.m. onto the set. I've already been up and had my hair and makeup done. And everyone on the crew is like, hi, Rain. Good morning, Rain. Hey, Rain. How's it going, Rain? Good morning. Hey, Rain. Hi. It was. I, it was like a 1950s musical. Top it, of the morning to you. Good morning. Say hello. Hi. How you doing? It, it really was like that. And it's like, and there's like 87 crew members. And finally, at one point, I said to everyone, I was like, just an announcement. Let's all say hi on Monday mornings and say hi to everyone and ask about our weekends. And then the rest of the week, like, 
We don't have to yeah. like. Can we take a break on the good morning? It's so oppressive. It's so oppressive. <laughs> Let me tell you, the room turned on him. They really. People I, were like, well, excuse me for saying good morning to you. I would have called TMZ that afternoon. That <laughs> afternoon, I'd be on the phone with TMZ. Oh but it was God. like, guys, come on. I just saw you 24 hours. I saw you not even that. I saw you 12 hours ago and said hi or good- goodbye. I don't. It's oppressive. It's a tyranny of hellos. Uh, That's your next book, by the way, Tyranny of Hellos. That's your next book. (laughs) Rain, I loved you so much in that moment. Here is my other tip for friendship, which is that you have to be your honest self. Because I I know, I know and love you as your honest self because you've shown me who you are. And and I love you for it. And also, by the way, Rain, I felt weighted down by those good mornings as well. So I felt like you kind of were speaking for a few of us who were afraid to speak up and say, stop saying hello. Stop saying good morning. This is true. Jenna loves going to New York City, and I've been there with her now. And it's because people don't really talk to each other. Like mm-hmm. when you walk down the street, you know, you just you're doing your business. But if you do talk to each other, you give it to each other straight. Like, I remember being in New York, and I remember standing in line at a coffee place, and this woman got her coffee, and she took a sip, and she said, this isn't right. I need you to do it again. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that was so just straightforward. It wasn't rude. It wasn't mean. It was just matter of fact. And I, my heart was singing because I grew up in the Midwest. If you take a sip of your coffee and it's wrong, you live with it. (laughs) <laughs> or you say, I am so sorry. I'm sure I misspoke. I'm sure it's my fault. This is, it's not quite what I meant. Did you, is it the sugar-free? Because this tastes like the regular, I don't, you know what? Forget it. Forget it. And then you walk out. So to have someone be like, this is incorrect. I need you to make it again. I, I was like, I couldn't believe it. And so Rain, for me in that moment, you were that woman in the coffee shop. And I was like, I love this man. I love him. Wow. He is just, he is speaking his truth, and I love a person Because Angela that. has mocked me for that moment for 10 years. <laughs> Listen, my favorite thing about that moment was, was the five seconds after he stopped talking, where everyone just, like, glared at you. It was, like, so cringy. It was amazing. I love cringe comedy. That was, like, so fantastic. I mean, I'm a very positive person. I love people. I love talking to people. But, you know, I have a dark sense of humor. <laughs> so to watch you kind of flail there for a minute was delicious. Well, look, this is, uh, I mean, it, it's so fun to talk to you guys and talk about, you know, friendships and how to make friendships and all that stuff. But this is a, kind of a serious topic as well. I mean, you guys know that we have what a lot of people are calling a loneliness epidemic in this country. Uh, there was a, a survey from Cigna in 2019 that said 61% of Americans report being lonely. That was before the pandemic. And we've already talked about the fact that like making friends requires hours and hours of contact, that usually that contact happens face-to-face or in social situations at work or whatever. And then we spent two years locked in our homes. So vast majorities of Americans reported um, huge spikes in their loneliness, in their depression. I think 13%, about a year into the pandemic, 13% of women and 8% of men 
between the ages of 30 and 49, said that they had lost touch with most of their friends, right? So, you know, we're at this place now where we're slowly coming out of the pandemic. We're slowly seeing each other again. It's like we're coming out of the dark and, and like squinting into the light. We barely know how to form sentences with each other. We've lost all social uh, norms and, and social behavior uh, 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 capabilities. So what can you sort of say about how important friendship is to having an actual like healthy mental and emotional life. Um, and then any words of encouragement for those of us who have spent two years in our pajamas uh, and who have like lost the ability <laughs> to even like talk to people anymore? Well, I mean, Angela totally is so good for my mental health. I mean, I just don't know what I would do without her truly. I had a really hard time in the pandemic because I'm a social person. I love going to things. I love seeing people. I love gatherings. And I struggled. I, you know, would have a friend over in the driveway and we'd stand far apart or have a f one friend over to the yard. We did that a few times and I'd be so happy to see them. But then as soon as they left, so sad that it was so odd and we couldn't just sit down next to each other and I couldn't give them a hug. And so I really feel for people out there that are kind of, that missed that, that time in their life and those connections in your life. And I would look so forward to seeing Jenna. We used to do this edit zoom. We would edit over zoom and I would see Jenna and our sound engineer, Sam and our producer, Cassie from the podcast. And I would be so excited. You guys have a podcast. <laughs> Office ladies. Um, office ladies. Yes. Um, but it, it was a hard time for me. And and Jenna knew that and she would reach out to me during that time. And I think it's it's something we started the talking about at the beginning of this podcast, which was reaching out to people, even people who you think don't want you to reach out. And Rain, mm. every once in a while, you text me out of the blue. Jenna and I have talked about this. You'll text us out of the blue with something, you know, something like hey, idiot, I love you, or something like that. And I'm always like, oh, rain. And it makes me so happy. And I try to encourage myself to reach out to people, even people who I think, oh, they've got their, their shit together. And you know what? Everyone loves a moment of connection. They do. Mm -hmm. You know, there's uh, a loneliness epidemic going on. We had Dr. Varun Soni on an episode. He's the chaplain and a professor at USC. Fantastic. Uh, spiritual teacher and thinker, um, and he described firsthand his experience uh, with the college kids at USC and, you know, the, the suicide ideation and, uh, the, the, you know, how, how fractured everyone was. And, you know, so we've kind of read through some of these statistics on loneliness, and it's really crept up, especially in the last 10 years. And now we've got COVID on top of it. And we're talking about friendship and loneliness feeds into friendship. Obviously, the, the opposite of loneliness is connection and connection is friendship. And uh, but part of it, I uh, always comes back to this idea of social media. So, you know, for a lot of young people, you have a phone in your hand and you've got an Instagram account. And it's like, look, I have 244 friends. And look, I post a, a picture of me and my parrot and 87 people liked it and waved at it and thumbs up it and commented on we're friends, but you're not friends. That's not a sign of friendship. It's a completely superficial interaction. 
And I think it can fool people. Um, and I'm just wondering, you guys are social media queens. You're so good at it, but you have such rich family lives and social lives beyond that. But in your interactions with with young folk, when you, when you guys do speaking gigs and pods and and whatnot, how do you feel like the social media world has influenced the world of friendship? Well, listen, at the beginning of the podcast, Angela and I said that the way we became best friends was by talking face to face with each other on mm -hmm. that bench. And I think that that there are great things about social media and the internet and things like being able to order something and it just comes to your house. But the cost we're paying for all of those things is the the lessening of that face-to-face -face contact or that um, the speaking to one another. I mean, how often do I text people instead of calling them on the phone now? I mean, texting has even, I think, mm -hmm. it kind of drives a wedge there. And, um, and I think that's part of with Angela and I with the audio memos, it's the hearing the long form voice, uh, listening to one another's voices is a big part of how we connect. And I think we can feel like there's not time for that. Oh, well, I only have time to text. I don't have time to actually get on a phone call with you. But I think that like all of that, all of that limits connection. Well, and I feel like social media is a shortcut to connection. It's not putting in the 200 hours, right? It's a shortcut. And everybody wants to feel seen and heard. And you have to take time to do that. You have to put in the time to do that. So I I mean, one of the things, my kids are getting older now and um, they're not on Instagram. But one of the things I talk to them about it because they see me using Instagram is that it's it's just, it's a way to sort of see a little bit of people's lives. But they're only showing you what they want you to see. You're not seeing a full picture. And there are wonderful things about seeing how people live or connecting with people from a different country or different place. But you're just getting a small mm -hmm. glimpse and you have to go into it knowing that. You know, I'm really glad that you guys uh, are talking about this. And, and, you know, the book is wonderful because, uh, you know, this isn't just about mental health, actually. Um, there have been numerous studies. It was a meta-analysis uh, at BYU that concluded that loneliness can be as harmful to your physical health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Uh, and now the previous Surgeon General, you know, called loneliness a public health epidemic, not just a mental uh, health epidemic. Um, the United Kingdom now has a minister for loneliness. <laughs> like there's actually a government minister whose job is to deal with the loneliness of uh, the English people, which that's a big job, actually. Um, other governments are spending tens of millions of dollars trying to treat this. I mean, it's it's like it's becoming almost like any other kind of public health problem. And so I, I really love the way that you guys are talking about the importance of building these kinds of connections, even if it's little, you know, in little bite-sized moments, a phone call here, a voice message, a text, any attempt to create connections. And, and I, and I also love Angela's uh, advice that y you may think that somebody out there is fine, that they've got plenty of friends that they're doing fine, but just check in, check in with them 
and find out and and you might be surprised and it might actually create a, an interesting connection um, for you. That, that's all, I think, super, super important for people to hear these days. Yeah, I, I really try now more. Um, my I had a loss in my family that was from loneliness um, and depression. And um, it's just changed completely how I think about reaching out to people. And I don't even need a response back. That's the thing. It's just me reaching out. So I can see something you did on TV, Rain, or catch a little glimpse of one of our friends and their career, and maybe it makes me think of them, and I shoot them a little thing. Like, I I recently texted Kate Flannery because she's so hilarious in the St. Patrick's Day episode of The Office. And I was like, Kate, when you say not today... You know, like they can't fight on St. Patrick's Day. It's the one day, right? (laughs) Kelly and Ryan. And I just texted her and I I was like, I don't need Kate to text me back. And I knew she was traveling, but I knew whenever she got to her destination, she would see that text. And I've just tried to be better. And some days you're better at connecting with people than others, but um, you just never know where people are at and you never know what that reach to them might mean. I think the... um it just makes me think about being a human being and, you know, connection and community, collaboration, connectivity, consultation, all of those C words are just so integral to what it is to be a human. And we're, we're, we're tribal creatures. We're, we're, we're pack animals, you know, no, that's not the right, it, that's, <laughs> that's not the right phrase. What is it? What are animals like? Social animals. That, that social animals that have to be like together, together, a herd, a her- herd animals. We're, herd animals. We're kind of herd animals, not pack animals. Some of us are pack animals. I'm a pack animal. I have so many kids. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know, this—it's so essentially human to have these moments of connection that you guys have been describing. And Jen, I was so moved hearing you saying that how how Angela has been there has helped your mental health so much. Like you, there's so much to be gained from a deep friendship when you're going through a hard time. Someone is there for you. You know they've got your back. They're reaching out just out of the blue, like you said, Angela. Just um, and And I do think, guys, this is one of the incredible bounties of the office that I had no idea when we were filming it that this would be the legacy of the office. Yes, if the office is really funny and it has a really talented cast and writers and directors, but the the reason people go back to it over and over and over again um, is because of those human moments and those human connections. And even the lack of connection and the fumbling to try and connect and the and the the misguided attempts at connection that happen over and over again throughout the show and the awkward pauses, which are just a very real part of life. But that essential humanness of the show, I think over and above the comedy is what has made it a classic. And so I kind of feel like this book is an extension of that. Like you're, you're continuing this kind of like legacy of the, of the heart of the office that I don't even think Greg Daniels, I mean, he had an inkling, but I don't think he set out to, I'm going to create this great humanist work of art. You know, he's just like, I want to make a smart comedy that's kind of dark and weird and Mm -hmm. slow and looks different and, you know, helps the state of American comedy, which was in pretty bad uh, graces at that time. Um, 
but uh, it, it's an incredible legacy that you guys are you're carrying the torch for. We really wanted the takeaway to be about not just Angela and I's friendship, but the friendship and connection that we all felt while making the show mm. and that we now feel with the people who watch the show when mm. we meet them. And just there is a there is a little community there and it, it means a lot to me. And we get so much feedback and Rain, I'm sure you do as well, but especially since we started the podcast, so many people reach out to us and say, I met my husband because he told me to watch The Office and I had never seen it and we worked together. So we started watching The Office together and then we got married and now our kids are watching it with us. So mm -hmm. it, and there's, there's trivia nights. There's like office trivia night where you can go. It was and meet. Just, did you see the photos from The Office 5K marathon in Scranton? No. People dressed as office characters and did a 5K. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. But it is. It's and there's a, a it's, convention this summer, yes, too. Yes, there's a convention. But it, it there's a musical in New York, The Office musical. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there mm -hmm. is a real community of people that love the show. And they're making connections with one another and friendships and marriages. And and that makes me so happy that the show is bringing people together still after all these years. And what would people get tattooed if they didn't have the office? I know. <laughs> the number of Did office you see? tattoos. Did you see the you and yeah. I on, on That was on, great. That yeah, was great. On a thigh. Yeah. We're on a thigh. <laughs> We're on a thigh. Mm -hmm. It's my thigh. Yes. Uh, well, the book is called The Office BFFs by Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey. It's so much fun to read. If you're an Office fan, it's great because it's got all these behind the scenes photos of all you guys, the whole cast and crew. There's a Dwangela chapter, by the yes, way. Yes, I read yeah, a Dwangela yeah. chapter. So the whole book is a conversation between Jenna and I, and we go back and forth and back and forth, except for two chapters. Jenna wrote a chapter called Jam, and I wrote a chapter called Dwangela. Did you learn anything while reading the book, Rain? Like, is there anything that I, you were like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that? It is so cute that you think that Rain reads books. Oh. <laughs> I learned a ton, but I can't believe you guys remembered all this shit. Like, there's stuff you're talking about. Like, we did, like, you were describing our first scene making out in that treehouse, yeah. and you detailed, like, I don't remember a thing. I remember that we were in a treehouse. And it was the Heide Key Rock joke. It was at Jim's house. And we were in a treehouse and we had to position our Birkenstocks and that was awkward. And other than that, I mean, you were talking about, I lent you my scarf uh -huh. and then we switched I was positions. Cold. And what we talked about and what we ate at the <laughs> snack break. And it's it like- It was a magical moment for Angela. Rain. It, it was. was a... So I have journals. I, so Jen and I both were journal writers and we kept journals. And then the other thing we used to do to stay in touch before, you know, we didn't have smartphones is Jen and I would email each other about our day or what happened and things. And we had all of this digital clutter plus our journals. But that I remember, Rain, because I was so nervous because it was my first big storyline mm -hmm. and it was the beginning okay. of it. Mm -hmm. And I was freezing cold and I didn't know how to talk to you and I was a little intimidated. And then... I told you that I grew up in Indonesia and you didn't believe me <laughs> at first. Yeah. Um, and then we started having this whole conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I love it when you speak Indonesian. It's so sexy. Say something now. Sekarang saya bicara dengan teman-teman saya, Rain. Right now I'm talking to my friend Rain. Yeah, that is very sexy, actually. Mm -hmm. You're right. It's fantastic. <laughs> Jenna, Angela, it's so great to see you both. It's great to be in the same room I as know, you. Bud, I know. Look at you. 
And let's go. I'm going to have 200 people say good morning to you this week. Oh, dear Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, guys. Thank Thank you you guys so much much. for having us. Thank you, Reza. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, a new little section of the podcast we're trying. It's called I Drink Your Milkshake. It's where Reza and I are on opposite sides of an idea. And today that idea is, can you only have one best friend? I mean, is the word best superlative? It's such a superlative. It's best that there's no one. Can you have equal best friends or only one? What what was that, Reza? Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) No, you can't have more than one best friend. That's absurd. No, you can only have one best friend. Why is that absurd? The definition of best friend is your best friend. But you can have another equally best friend, maybe not a better friend, but an equally best friend. Why couldn't you have seven amazing, intimate friendships, same-sex friendships, or different sex, gender friendships, and all equal and all intimate and fun and connected, and you love to hang out and you share vulnerable things with seven different people? Why not? Listen, there's only one most valuable player, okay? There's only one first place, all right? You can't be first place runner-up, all right? There can only be one best friend. It's called a participation trophy. Why don't you get participation (laughs) trophies to your seven best friends? Fine, you can have participation friends, but you can only really have one best friend. The real question, this this is a more important question. Okay. Do you really need more than, say, Three friends. I mean, I, I, I'm with that like 49% of Americans. I know that we talked about it as some like sad thing that all oh, 49% of Americans only have three friends. Yeah, that's a lot of friends. <laughs> well, I, I, I look at friends as like a layer cake. It's a tier system. You've got your three or four or five like best friend buddies at the top of the wedding cake. The next tier down... You've got seven folks that you can call at any time, share, you love to catch up with, you want to hear about their families. Then the next tier down, like people you want to hang out with, play golf, shoot the shit with, have lunch with, and then, you know what I mean? And so on and so on. I guess. Acquaintances, acquaintances, maybe. Sure, sure. Yeah, but when we lived in tribes, how did friendships work? Okay, let's go back to 150 people in a series of caves uh, in a tribe, would you, you know, would Plagu only hang out with Flaku, you know, or? Hey, listen, it was only whoever, whoever shared my meat. Okay. That's, that's who was my, I'd my like friend. share your meat. And as it is now, I've got enough meat to go around for three people. Like that is, <laughs> that's about as much meat as I can spare. Three people worth of meat. Well, now thanks to Grubhub, we can have meat at your door in 27 minutes. <laughs> For all of your friends. All right, maybe you and I are never going to uh, agree on this on this uh, point. Although I'm not exactly sure which one of us drank the other's milkshake. But listeners, listeners, surely you have some ideas about this. Can you have more than one best friend? How many friends is enough friends? We would love to hear from you. You can find us on social media at Reza Aslan and at Rain Wilson and on Twitter at Metamilk Podcast on Instagram at Metaphysical Milkshake. Let us know how many friends is enough 
friends. And guess what? We've been doing this a lot lately, and I, I kind of like this part. We're going to be giving away some copies of Jenna and Angela's new book, The Yay. Office BFFs. Woo! Yay. It's easy. You want a copy of a free book, a free heavy, heavy book full of fun stories and pictures. Is it a coffee table book? It's basically a coffee table book. Yeah. It's the size of a coffee table. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. weighs about as much as a coffee table does. Uh, but the first five people, very easy, the first five people who write a review for Metaphysical Milkshake on Apple Podcasts, and hopefully it's a positive review. I mean, I guess we can't really force you to do that. But the first five people to write a review uh, for Metaphysical, Metaphysical Milkshake on Apple Podcasts, all you got to do is take a screenshot of it and email it to us at metaphysical at Cast Media, that's K A S T Media.com, you'll get a copy of the book. So, do you want any more of Life's Big Questions? Find us on social media at Reza Aslan, at Rain Wilson, on Twitter at MetaMilk Podcast, and on Instagram, especially at Metaphysical Milkshake. And let us know your life's big questions. And we might just explore them on a future episode. Please follow, rate, review Metaphysical Milkshake on Apple Podcasts, wherever else you listen to podcasts. And please, please, if you like looking at me right here, right now, waving my hands, looking like an idiot, follow us on our YouTube channel on the Metaphysical Milkshake uh, YouTube. And you can watch our episodes every week. You'll actually get to see Angela and, uh, and Jenna. That's right. Yeah. In the flesh. In the flesh. Thanks for listening, Milkshakers. See you next week. See you next week. Metaphysical Milkshake is executive produced by Rain Wilson, Reza Aslan, and Colin Thompson. It is produced by Safa Samazadeh Yazd, Harris Lane, Mick DeMaria, Hashem Self, and DJ Lubel. Cast Media is the production and distribution partner. Original music by Jeff Tang. Jenna says I, I just talked and talked and talked and talked and talked until she was like, okay. Okay, I'll be your we're friend. We're friends. <laughs> Is that the key to friendship? Can we end the podcast right now? And we're done. <laughs> Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.